to Artifact. This is a time when we are looking at our history to discover more about our faith. And today, we are honoring all of our church history by discovering what we can do right now. And there are three different areas where we can be involved. So we're celebrating areas of worship, of community, and of outreach. And to do this, I'm going to start with a scripture so that we can be grounded in our historical stories. So the story I selected is from Luke. Now, on that same day, the two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? And they stood still and they stood looking sad. And then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, what things? And they replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a mighty prophet in deed and word before God and all the people. A little later, as they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening and the day is nearly over. And so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And then they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? And then a little later, then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, Jesus blessed them. And while Jesus was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried into the heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. We have this scriptural historical story where there's so much more to discover. And I hope that you heard three different sections of it. And in the first part, we have these people who were walking together. They were living together. They were learning together and they were sharing with one another. They were being in community. It was kind of like a small group. It was kind of like a Sunday school class where they're all trying to figure out what happened. I kind of missed it. I was on vacation. What are you talking about? They're learning together and they're teaching one another. And then the next section is when this stranger comes up and the stranger tries to leave and says, no, no, don't leave us. You need to come and eat with us. Let me make sure I extend hospitality to this one. And they begin to eat together. Does that not sound like outreach? 
Does that not sound like breaking bread and sharing with someone you don't know? And then we have this beautiful passage where just after Emmaus, Jesus is literally ascended into the heavens and every disciple worships. These are the three things that we are scripturally called to do all the time. And this is what we celebrate. And this is where we discover all of the stories and the witness and the importance. And so I've invited three people to come and put their own personal story, their own personal word, and their own personal take on all three of these areas. And so I've asked all three the same question to share with you. In addition of telling, telling you who they are, they're going to tell you the evidence of God in their particular area. And so first we start with Wendy. Wendy, how have you seen the evidence of God through the area of worship? Thanks, Marion. My name is Wendy Cock, and I have been a member of Roswell United Methodist for just about 20 years. When Marion reached out to me, she asked me to talk about worship. And worship for me is a very quiet, personal time. It's the time I get to sit with my family. I have two kids, and they're very busy. And oftentimes, we are just passing in the breeze during the week as we work to get everybody to all of their activities. But this one hour every Sunday, that's the time that everything else can just disappear. We can just be together and be still and be quiet. So then I continued to think about the question that she asked, and I remembered being told as a very young child and hearing it through all of my church life that more is caught than taught. And I really started reflecting that that's how Andy and I have lived our life in this church. From the time that AJ and Lily were born, they have sat with us in worship. And they have learned from this community. They have learned so many lessons. They have learned to sit still. <laughs> Even if it meant flipping through a hymnal or a Bible or scribbling on those old um, white envelopes where you would put your uh, money. <laughs> we have a lot of those colored on it. <laughs> they have learned to be quiet as a part of this community. So before there was Chapel Roswell, there were not a lot of opportunities to worship in this building particularly. But once a month, they would do communion in here super early in the morning. And if you think it's quiet right now, you should be there when it was super early communion. <laughs> you could hear a pin drop, and we were the only one bringing children. <laughs> so any good parent knows that the way to keep a child quiet is an unending supply of snacks. <laughs> what you've probably never thought about is how loud those snacks are. <laughs> they come in wrappers that crinkle and crunch. Um, Cheerios make a lot of noise. <laughs> and so we finally settled on pancakes. So I would make pancakes and put them in a Ziploc bag because that is the quietest of all of the packaging materials. And we would sit over there and the kids would just eat their pancakes the entire service. One particular Sunday, one of my children did not want to leave her pancake when it was time to come to the offer and get our communion. So I had to make a split-second parenting decision. Do I rip the pancake out of her hand and create a huge scene? Or do I let her take the pancake to the altar? We took the pancake. 
We walk up to the front, and Dr. Harvey West leans down and offers her some communion bread. And she looks at him and says, no, I'm good. I was mortified. Harvey did not miss a beat. He took that cup and he leaned it down to her and let that toddler put her pancake in the communion cup. It reminded me of the scripture from Matthew that says, let the little children come. That is exactly what happened in that moment. We all know that the pancake is not the body of Christ, but in that moment it was. And she felt like a part of the community. In addition to being still and quiet, the kids have learned to pray. They have learned to sit and pray with God quietly. They have learned the words of the Lord's Prayer through repetition and the example that the people of Chapel Roswell provide. They have learned to rejoice in God through the choir and the Chapel Roswell Band and then participating in children's choir and the countless volunteers who have just poured into them throughout the years on WOW on Wednesdays. And they've learned about scripture. They may not know everything that is being said, but let's be real honest, I'm an adult and sometimes when Marian talks, I still don't know what is being said. But they're learning to build that relationship with God. And that's really important to me. This building in particular has held every major moment in my family's life. Andy and I got married right there in 2008. Both of my children were baptized right over there. We sat countless Sundays over there, right by the door. That's an important place if you're trying to keep your children quiet because that's the one door that doesn't bail you out into the parking lot. In 2015, when my dad passed away suddenly, it was that front pew right there where my family sat with the pastors trying to make sense of all of it. And a few weeks later, right there where that uh, camera is in the back, that's where my mom and I sat when we came for the healing service to light a candle in his honor. We have spent more Ash Wednesdays in here than I know what to do with. But this building isn't the only place that we worship. My family spends a lot of time down the hill in the main sanctuary as well. We love Christmas and Easter down there and the big events. My children serve as acolytes down there in that service, which is something if you have children, I absolutely encourage you to do. And that building also holds my favorite service of all here on campus, and that is the evening service on Good Friday. If you've never had the opportunity to be in that service, it is still and it is quiet and it just prepares you for all the celebration that is going to happen over the rest of the Easter weekend. So when Marion asked me to come up here, first of all, she's very hard to say no to, but I was terrified because I didn't think I had anything to say about worship because worship is private to me. But those people that know me know that I never have a problem talking. So I said yes. And I've had such a good time thinking about this church over the last few days. And I get to add one more thing to my list. Talking in church about my faith now also happens in this building. So thank you, Marian. Thank you, Wendy. Brian, I'm going to ask you the same question after you tell everybody who you are. Um, what is the evidence of God through community? 
Okay, well, thank you. Um, I am Brian Gibson, and uh, my wife Rachel and daughter Ellie have been a part of this church um, since Chapel Roswell began, um, right in that first year. And actually, my wife uh, grew up in this church, so she's uh, been here a lot longer. <laughs> um, and uh, actually, you know, when you think about community, um, and actually, uh, Wendy, I'll kind of go off of what you talked about because I think there's perfect example of modeling for our children and, you know, um, bringing up your child um, in the ways of the Lord. Um, even when they are old, they will not depart from it, um, from Proverbs. But, you know, part of that is through community and through modeling. And I think that's um, a lot of where I see the, the evidence of God um, working in community. Um, we are called, um, when Jesus was asked, um, what is the greatest commandment? Um, he responded, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. So when I think of the evidence of community, I, I, I see God, the evidence of our relationship with God is how we relate to others. And so when I, think, when I see how God is moving, I see it, it happens in community. It happens in how we relate to one another. Um, I do have a verse to share. Um, it's from, let's see, from Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. Um, this is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with mm. patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And, you know, I think that that's actually a perfect um, verse and example of what community is, because I think it starts with when we are unified in the church um, and there's a lot of different, different ways that, uh, you know, different groups, different small groups, different Sunday school classes um, that you can be a part of. But I think that, that when that happens and you have that community and that unity, then that allows you to, to reach outward, um, which, you know, ultimately outreach to the community, you know, happens through, through us all working together as the hands and feet of Jesus. And I think that um, just as... You know, talks the church is a body, and all of us are a part of that body, and we all play a different role. I think within community, um, we play a different role as well, and that can be um, with the youth group, um, with our Sunday school classes, with small groups, um, and even all the different Sunday school classes. They all have a different purpose. We, um, you know, a, a year ago, a few families um, and us um, were asked by Jason to start. A Sunday school class following confirmation. And this was a way to kind of keep the fire burning, you know, once confirmation ended and, you know, keep kids coming, keep families interested and involved. Um, so, you know, a few of us started this Sunday school class and um, it, it started small. Um, and, you know, since then, within a year, I think we've more than doubled um, and we're still growing. But, um, but you know, I think the the neat thing is that we're all in the same place in our lives, you know, raising um, middle school children, um, you know, elementary age children, um, you know, going into high school, and, and, you know, we're all dealing with those, those issues in life. So um, part of community is how we can support each other, we can bear with one another, we can care and love one another uh, as we're all dealing with the same things. Um, and building that relationship, I think, is important. And I think that that 
is kind of the, the evidence of God moving in each other and how we relate to each other and how we support each other and love one another. And ultimately, that allows us to then reach out to the community and, uh, you know, be the hands and feet of Jesus outside of these walls. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Scotty is here to give us an idea of where the evidence of God is through outreach. So my name's Scotty Brewington, and I've been a member, I guess, of this church for 30-something years. Um, and I'm not particularly good at worship or community, <laughs> but I am really good at outreach. And when you were both talking about worship and community, I thought, well, maybe that's where I find worship and community. Yeah. But I, whenever anybody asks me to speak about this, I'm like, the way I hear it is, do you want to get up and cry on stage in front of strangers? <laughs> so I'm going to try to not do that, but I am very passionate about um, outreach here. So about 20 years ago, we started the Must Summer Lunch Program here at this church, and many of you probably have volunteered with that. It went on for 19 years, um, and we do things big here. So we started that you know, making sandwiches and driving them out into the communities in Roswell for kids who are on free and reduced lunch. You may not even know there are kids in Roswell on free and reduced lunch, but there are. There's a lot of them. And they're in the neighborhoods off of Holcomb Bridge, kind of back behind Red Lobster in that area, and in the apartment complexes up and down off Red Highway. So we started with 400 a day of these sack lunches, and we do things crazy here. By the time we finished, we were up to 1,000 a day. Every day of the summer, for 11 weeks of summer. So you're talking, you know, over 50,000 sack lunches. No budget, that was all volunteers, all donated. Then COVID um, and then MUST went through some changes with their summer lunch program. So we morphed into a grocery program that gave out groceries weekly out of the fellowship hall. And this was at the height of COVID. And families who we were serving in the summer lunch program were now driving through and getting a week's worth of groceries. Um, we had money. Marion wrote us a giant grant application. We had funding. And when you asked, like, evidence of God, well, during those times, A, there was very few ways to volunteer and help during COVID where people were allowed to get together. So we had to do it very, you know, controlled. There can only be maybe 10 people in the room at a time. You had to wear masks. We kept our kitchen staff here. Um, giving them hours, you know, paying them to, to make ground beef for our families to give out. Keep rolling around like that for two years. And then we thought, well, we're not going to have grant money forever, so we got to figure out a way to make this sustainable. We, we hooked up with Must. Uh, what we have now in the old coffee house building is called the Must Neighborhood Pantry on Mimosa. Same model, but it's once a month. Started, we provide groceries, must brings a lot of the food, um, and then we supplement that. You can see on the pictures there what a family gets when they go through. We supplement with things that RMC buys, with money that we raise, tortillas, fresh produce, um, ground beef that, again, the kitchen staff is preparing for them, laundry detergent, feminine hygiene products, um, all kinds of stuff. It's a lot of food. It's, it's a lot of work. We have volunteers helping first Monday of the month, unless that's a holiday, and then it turns to a different uh, day of the week. Uh, we started out with 80 families. There's 32 of these pantries throughout Metro Atlanta. 82 families the first month, 125 the next month, 175 this past month. We're already the biggest one out of all 32, three months. So again, we're doing it big here. Um, 
It takes a lot of help. It takes a lot of volunteers. Uh, I'm very uncomfortable with being the face of this because it's <laughs> it's not my pantry. Hmm. It's your pantry. Um, and our vision for it is big. So, you know, we reached out to the churches on the street and we said, the building's at the end of Mimosa. Roswell Prez, First Baptist. Even Northbrook United Methodist, which is not on Mimosa, but it's not far away. And we invited all of them to come help us. Their ministers and their outreach people came, met with us. We told them about the program. And they've had representatives there every single month. So... The idea would be that we, you know, make it an actual community kitchen and pantry for the community created by the community and supported by this whole community, not just our church. So that's the, the bigger vision of it. And then I do see the grapes. There's a picture of the grapes. Another thing I would like to add to that is uh, a, a residing principle of this pantry is just radical hospitality. So, you know, not just giving families canned pumpkin. I just figured out the pantry. But fresh produce and fresh meat and things that you would, you know, feed your own family. The first time we had a meeting with the other churches on the street, um, one of the guys who was with one of the other churches, he really put me through the ringer. And he was like, you already have North Fulton Community Cherries. Like, we, what are you even doing? Like, why don't you just go down there and ask them, you know, what they need and donate it to them? So I was like, well, well, let's go talk to North Fulton. So we went and talked to them. We asked them what their holes were in their program. And then even though you see these groceries, that's not a month's worth of groceries. One of the beautiful things about this is that you can go to North Fulton and you can go to this pantry. They're not instead of, they're working together. And Musk gave us a lot of, I mean, North Fulton gave us a lot of ideas of things that they needed that we could help um, supplement with, like dog food. I would have never thought about that. And they basically said, you know, a lot of these families have pets. Dog food's expensive. Coffee. They can't keep coffee on the shelves there. So we have special drives for, for, you know, things like that. And then I'll end with a story that I think really just sums up the whole thing. We had a lady who drove through the line. This was probably two and a half years ago, like right when we started. We were COVID weekly. And she got groceries, but then the next week she came up to us and she was like, I still need groceries, but I also want to volunteer. Like, I want to be a translator. So she speaks Spanish. So she, we're like, absolutely. She's been coming every week, every month now that we're monthly for two and a half years. And she does all of our translating for the families who don't speak English. She helps us register um, families and then just hanging out with her. You know, she had some tragedies in her life mm -hmm. and she was working in a, as a dishwasher in a local restaurant and we're trying to help her, you know, how do we improve her situation and a group of us raised money and got her an immigration lawyer, and she just got her green card. So I, there's all kinds of tentacles to programs like this, and you just never know. So I guess that's all I have to say. Thank you. And what I hope you heard is that there's an overlap. Um, it's not just one. To have a full relationship with God and the church is to be involved in all three. And sometimes one can be more intimidating than the other. Sometimes you think, you know what? I can't commit to worship on a Sunday morning. But you know what I can commit to is helping to feed somebody on a Monday night. I can't maybe commit 
I'm a little nervous to go and talk to people that I don't know, so maybe I don't do outreach, but maybe I want to do life with a group of people whose children are about the same ages as mine, and so maybe I go to that small group, or maybe I go and I learn about how to be in community. Those individual pieces will help with the other whole. It's a dovetail. It's a response. God calls you to do one and God empowers you and shows you the way to do the other. And that's what is the beautiful part about this church and about this campus and about this congregation and about Chapel Roswell. It's because we embody all three. And so if you want to be in outreach, be in outreach with us because we have over 35 mission partners globally. If you want to be in a Sunday school class, we will help you find a Sunday school class. There are classes that are just now getting started um, for people with toddlers, for baby classes. They're so sweet families and they're figuring out how to have one child or multiple children. All of a sudden they've got two under the ages of three. There is a class for that. We have small groups that are helping one another deal with and care for aging parents and people with dementia. We have grief sharing. We have an entire counseling center that has support groups for one another. These are things that your church is involved in because we know that there are entry points into a relationship with God unlike any other. And so whatever you feel like you need to grow closer with God, we want to make sure that's the discovery. We want to make sure we're a part of that. Because we believe, too, that all of it is a form of worship. And so I invite you now to know where you are in this sanctuary. Know where you are in this pew. Make a mental imprint so that when you think back to Celebration Sunday, you know where you were sitting and the story you had in it. Because this is our time. This is our time to be God's people. And I have to tell you, I had such a blessing. Yesterday, I got to be involved um, at actually the table with Cash and Scotty. I got to be at the Rise Against Hunger table. Um, and my job was to open these little bags and stick the protein pack in them. And we had such a little system. And I have to tell you, I know that y'all are with me doing this. We looked beautiful in our hairnets um, and our baseball caps. There were about 75 of us in the fellowship hall. There were about eight of us in the giving garden spreading mulch. There were eight people in the prayer ministry quilt room and they were putting together their quilts yesterday. And then there was about seven people at foster care sorting through Christmas clothes for children. We're already thinking of that. And then we had over 50 people participate in the placemat project and Rocktober for Table on Deck, which is a human trafficking ministry. And so I was one of the 75 yesterday and our goal, we had a really high goal and we met it. Yesterday, we packaged 25,000 meals with 75 people in two hours, making yesterday's Rise Against Hunger Project the largest in the history of our church campus. So congratulations. 
Um, that was more than we've ever done in a day. And one of the things that I learned while I was holding this at my table was that the rice goes in last. <laughs> and the rice is the heaviest. And so rice is a symbol that we are gonna hold on to today. You can see there's rice. There are three different colors of rice. There's brown rice and white rice and black rice. And for us, we are going to use this as a representation of worship, community, and outreach. And we're using rice as a symbol because we know that what we do here locally does in fact have an impact globally. Whatever we do here with one person, we know it can impact the entire world. And we wanna carry that with us so that our actions um, every day can make an impact. And so in a little bit, part of our response is we're gonna invite you to come up. And I know this is gonna take a minute and that's gonna be okay. I'm gonna invite you during our song to come forward and you're gonna take pieces of each of the color of rice and you're gonna take a little container, a glass container, and then you can go back to your seat and you can fill in that container of all the different colors of rice and take it with you as a reminder of the three aspects that we want you to hold on to for your relationship, worship, community, and outreach. And so now let's have a prayer. Gracious and holy Lord, we know that we have everything that we need right here in front of us. So help us to use it. Help us to use our mind and our hands and our bodies and our hearts so that we can help others. And help us be dedicated to our work so that we can be a symbol for the world your love. And Lord, if it's through the tiniest symbol of a rice, a grain of rice, to a full meal, to an hour of worship, or to our time where we just check on someone, may we be your people. Encourage us, give us strength, and give us what we need to make sure that we fulfill our purpose. And if there are people we know, Lord, that need to learn more, may we be the people that begin to talk and to be a witness and to be a story. We also, Lord, know that there are many people who are grieving, who have sorrow, who have hurts. We ask that you be a part of all of it. May they have a friend. May people not feel so lost. May they find in us a little glimpse of you. And may we witness boldly and influence profoundly so that we can be a symbol for you. And now, Lord, take all of our worship, take all of our praise, take all of the prayers of spoken and unspoken. And may you be within all of it. Amen. <laughs>